Good morning. Good to see you this morning. I'd like to read, um, first of all, just to get started off here, a statement by uh, Pastor Ray Stedman. He's, he's been an, he was an influential pastor from Palo Alto area. This is what he said about Jesus. He said, it's, it is impossible for any objective person to deny that Jesus was the most extraordinary, influential, and revolutionary individual to stride this stage of human history. More books have been written about Jesus than any other figure of the past. More music has been composed. More pictures have been painted. More great drama has been written about Jesus than any other person. We mark off history, at least in the West, in years either before or after the birth of Christ. That, that statement gives a picture, really kind of a big grand picture of what we've been talking about in this message series, The Revolutionary Road. We've been looking at a statement that Jesus made, and we've been sort of unpacking that statement and looking at what it means. He made the statement in John 14, 6, where he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Today, we're particularly going to look at I am life, the statement that he, he is the life and what exactly he's saying there. John 3.16 gives us the answer to, to what he's saying. Um, I don't know, you, you may have seen that on a poster at a Super Bowl or major event of some kind. You know, the guy, I think, it seems like I haven't seen him for a while. I haven't seen the poster with John 3.16 on it in quite a while at any major event, so I don't know what happened. But the reason John 3.16, he holds that up is because it, it contains in that one verse the very heart of, of Jesus and why he came. That verse says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life, everlasting life. Jesus came so that we could have life. That's why he came. And, and really, almost everything you need to know is packed into that verse. First of all, God loves you. He created us, he made us, and he loves us. He loved us in a way that when he saw our need, that we, you know, what happened, the scripture says, is that every one of us were born, were given life by God, and every one of us decided to, to live our life independent of him, to rebel against God. That's, that's what sin means. And that cut us off from knowing God personally. That's spiritual death. That cuts us off. He's the source of life, and it cut us off from knowing God personally. But God so loved the world that he sent his son into it, that whoever believes in him. So from this, we understand the tremendous value of people to God. We are incredibly important to him because we we rebelled we ran our away from him we went our own way and he took action his love is the kind of love that takes action he stepped into the world to die on the cross his son died on the cross so that we could if we believe in him which means 
The idea in that word believe in the original language is written in Greek is you put your trust in him. You, you give him your life. You put your life in his hands and you decide that you're going to live his way from here on. So God loves us. We need him. We were going to perish without him. He took action. He stepped into the world. He sent his son into the world who died on the cross. And now if we believe in him, we put our life in his hands, we trust him, then we have life. And it's never-ending life. It's everlasting life. That, that shows how Im, incredibly valuable you and I are to the God who made us. That he kept pursuing us in the person of Jesus Christ. And verse 17 is never on the sign. Yeah, it's not John 3, 16 and 17. But 17 is pretty good, too. It says... He came into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world. We sang that song, My Jesus Saves. He saved us from this spiritual death, which would go on for eternity. We'd be separated from God if he didn't provide a way for us to know him. Jesus, when he says, I am the life, he's saying, I am the source of life. Jesus is the source of life. I made the world, and I'm the source of life as you live in the world. Life comes from him, both natural life and spiritual life. His followers got this. He'd been teaching them. There were 12 guys who lived with him for three years, and they understood this. One of them, John, wrote one of the gospel books, one of the biographies of his life. And in that biography, this is what John said. John 1, 3 through 4. Through him, talk about Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. On, on Easter, I walked through how to verify Jesus' identity. If you're investigating Jesus Christ, trying to figure out if you believe he's who he said he was, I talked about how to do that. He, he claimed that he's the only way to the Father. He's the only way to God. And there's a way to check that out because when he says, I am the source of life, you gotta, you got to check that out. And, and there's a way to check it out because Christianity is rooted in history. It's not, it's not primarily a belief system. Christianity is not a belief system. It revolves around a person of history. And when he says, I'm the source of life, Jesus is saying, I am the fountain of life. Life flows out of me. It means that he's both the creator of natural life and the source of spiritual life. Here's, here's a natural spring. I got it off the Internet. It's probably somebody's vacation photo. I'm not quite sure, but, but, you know, they're at a natural spring. You can see the, the life around the spring. Somebody's swimming in it, and a guy's standing up on a ledge. He's about to dive into it and get refreshed. Jesus is the source of life. He, 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 he claims to be the one that we get life from. Christianity, since it didn't start with a belief system, 
but with a person who actually lived, you can go back and check it out. You, you can verify. So you could get, you could listen to the first message, the one I gave on Easter, and, and find some ways. But you can go back and examine the evidence of his life for yourself and decide. And one thing about Jesus being the source of his life, or the source of our life, the source of life, it explains the power of his personality. It, it explains the lasting impact that he made while he was on earth. Scientists marvel at the amount of power and energy that was needed to create the universe. The Big Bang, we call it. You know, Nobody really argues that the universe started at a point in time and there was this incredible amount of energy that flowed out and created this universe in which we live. Jesus is saying, I'm the source of that. I, I am the source of life. And he, one, one of the great illustrations, or actually one of the great things that you can look at in his life, I talked about it on Easter. He had a friend, Lazarus, who had a couple sisters, Mary and Martha. And Lazarus got sick. Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus. Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Would you come heal him? Well, Jesus took his time. He didn't really rush over there. Lazarus died in the meantime. And he shows up to uh, the house, and they run and tell him that Lazarus died. And when Jesus meets Lazarus' sister, he says this. this is, if this were a sermon, you know, a sermon has a point and an illustration in it, you know, three points and a poem. That's what they used to say when I was in graduate school. But usually there's a point and an illustration to illustrate. Well, this is Jesus' point that he makes with, with uh, Lazarus' sister. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. That's, that's the point he's trying to get across. And then what he does is he goes to Lazarus' grave and he calls him out of the grave. The man gets up from the dead and walks out of the grave like because of the power of Jesus Christ. That that happened in history. That's Christianity is rooted in history. That's an event. And the interesting thing, one of the things you realize is Jesus' opposition, the people who were trying to take him down, they didn't argue that that happened. They said they said to themselves, it quotes in John, it's John 11, this story is found. Um, he, he quotes the opposition of saying, you know, if we let him go on like this, he's going he's gonna to rule the world. We have got to stop him. They didn't deny that he did it. So you can check things like that out and verify that he's source, source of life. But when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, when he says, I am the life, that's what he's saying. I am the source of all life. And if you, if you come to know me and you connect to me, then you get never-ending life that keeps bubbling up. And it shows up in, in the way you live your everyday life. It shows up as you live your everyday life. We're going to look at two object lessons that, that Jesus did. Jesus had a habit of when he was walking around with his disciples or when he was talking to different people, he would use circumstances or situations or objects, whatever was around, 
to teach a lesson. That's kind of that's sort of a major object lesson. You raise somebody from the dead, don't you think? I mean, that's kind of <laughs> that that was his that was his pattern. Well, we're going to look at two of those today and find out how he is the way of life. If you get on the road, we've called this revolutionary road because it's a turnaround. To follow Jesus means that you turn around from going your own way 180 and you go his way. You you follow his way. And the word way in that verse I read means road, literally. And it's revolutionary because it always involves a turnaround. And today we're talking about, in this first object lesson that we're going to look at that Jesus gave, how getting connected to God through Christ brings never-ending life. It just He's the fountain of life. It just keeps coming from him. If you get connected to him, there's life. And we look for life from all kinds of sources. But he is the source that can come to us. Now, he had a conversation. I'm going to have a, I'm going to quote him in the midst of this conversation. He had a conversation with a woman. She was a Samaritan woman. He walked through Samaria and he was thirsty. It was, it was I think it was straight up noon. So it was the heat of the day and he was thirsty in, in the desert. And he went to the well. He sent his disciples into the city to get some food. He went to the well, and he met a Samaritan woman at the well who was there to draw water. And he asked her for a drink, which was highly unusual because he was a Jewish man. Jewish people didn't speak to Samaritan people. He was a man. Men didn't speak to women in public. So in, in just that conversation that he's having with this woman, he elevates her value to that of equal to everybody else. This is way before, you know, the women's movement. And he <laughs> he showed how valuable she was and how valuable Samaritan, I mean, no matter your race, your background, whatever, you are valuable to God. And so just in carrying on the conversation, he he shows value. And it's straight from the heart of God. Because God, remember, God sent him into the world because he loved us. And he was love incarnate. So anyway, he carries on this conversation at the well. Uh, he's thirsty. He asks for a drink. She gives him a drink. And he says, he says uh, in John 4, 13 and 14, he says, Those who drink this water will get thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I give them will become in them a spring, which will provide them with life-giving water and give them eternal life. Now, most of us have never really been thirsty. I'm kind of thirsty now, to be honest. But I've never really been thirsty. These people lived in the desert in a dry, cracked place. The land was cracked. It was just so dry. It was cracking all over the place. And not a drop of water in sight. They, they couldn't go to the fridge and, you know, take, you know, get their water out of the fridge, chilled a little bit, you know, kind of nice. They couldn't do that. They really understood what it was to be thirsty. This is noon. This is the heat of the day. Jesus is thirsty. The, the, the lady is thirsty. She's at the well getting water and he uses that circumstance to explain a deep truth that we need to get a hold of. 
She knew it was thirsty. She had to go, she had to leave the town, carry the bucket to the well. And from what I understand, I, I read a little bit about the circumstance. There was a well that was closer to town, but she was an outcast because, because of her history. And she went out, went out of town. She had to haul the bucket way out of town, go to the well, you know, dip it in there, pull the water out, and then haul it back. When, when that's the circumstance, boy, you understand what it is to be thirsty. She didn't have piped in water. We have piped in water. We don't really understand. So when he said, I'm going to give you water that will cause you to never be thirsty again, he had her attention. He, okay, well, what are we talking about here? And this is, this, in his promise, he, he connects a spiritual dot. He uses this everyday circumstance to say, if you will trust me, for life, then I will give you streams of living water that flow within you, that bubble up within you, and they will meet your deepest spiritual and emotional needs. That's what he's saying. He's using physical thirst to talk about spiritual thirst. And he says, I'm the source of life that if you'll trust me, I will well up within you. And I will provide you with what you need at any given moment in time. He continues the conversation and finds out. He asks about her husband. She says, well, I, I've, I, don't, I don't have a husband. And he must have heard from people in town or something because he says, well, no, that's right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. And so he says, but I'm. But, but and his point in bringing that up is to show that he knows her background. He understands. He's not going to reject her because of that. He he really he 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 shows the love of God in this circumstance, and he promises. You know, you've been trying to get your thirst quenched in these relationships, but if you'll not trust them, and you'll trust me. There will be a stream of living water that flows out from within you that quenches your spiritual thirst like no other can. Nothing else can. So life flows from God, is what Jesus is saying, as you trust him. But when you're trying to get life from other sources, it's like hauling a bucket outside of town to get the life, to get the water, You lower it down into the well, and it turns out the well is dry. That's what it's like. We try to get life from other sources, and they dry up. There is is one need that we all have. There, There are a couple that sort of cut across all of life. One of those is significance. Shows up different in in men and women. Men tend to want respect. We want to be admired and respected. Women want to be valued, loved, cherished, and valued. Could you scroll the screen up real quick? Um, <clears throat> and so what happens is we, we tend to, when we're trying to live life apart from God, independent of God, what we tend to do is we go to other sources than God to have these needs met, the need for respect, admiration, the need for, to be loved and valued and cherished. And so sometimes what we do, I've listed some sources for life that we go to that dry up. 
honest. People are one of those sources. Sometimes we go to our family, our husband or wife, our kids, our parents, our extended family, whatever. We go to our friends, and we want them to fill us up. We want them to show respect and admiration. And if we depend on them, it's like lowering the bucket, and it's dry because they're trying to get life out of us. And what, what happens is that we, we try to extract our basic needs out of the people around us. We try to drain it out of them, and they're draining it out of us. And it's like, you know, two, two vacuums fighting against each other. Because it's, not, it's really, we're not made to get our needs met by other people. Now, we are made to show love to other people. We are made to care for them. And many times, if we're trusting God, he uses people to encourage us, to, to put a little extra spring in our step. But they are not the source. God himself is the source. We go to possessions sometimes. Particularly guys are thinking, you know, if I'm driving this car, certain car, I'm pretty cool. You know, we, we want to be admired and respected. Sometimes we go to possession, sometimes power, influence accomplishment. We try to achieve things. And um, at work, we just dive into work and we try to gain our significance from work or from money is another one. But if you if you go to these things, these like work, you go to work and you, you go to the, the spigot of work and you hook your hose up to drain the life out of it, <laughs> that's not the way it works. You've just hooked up to a vacuum. It's sucking the life out of you. It's not giving it to you. And the reason is, is exactly what Jesus is trying to tell this, this lady, this Samaritan woman. I didn't give you these things. I gave you all this stuff. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to enjoy the people in your life. They're very important. I want you to enjoy the things that you have. I want you to uh, really find satisfaction in your work. But it is not the core. The reason that you love people, the reason you have people in your life, is so that you can please me in the way you treat them. If you please me, if you set your heart on me, you trust me to give you the refreshment and the help and the encouragement that you need, then you'll have what you need to love them. You'll have what you need to show, show the, 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 the care and the kindness that I want you to. These things are not wrong. People are important. Accomplishment, achievement, that's all right. Uh, they're important things in our life, but when you're counting on these things to meet your deepest needs, you're going to the wrong source. Only God, through Jesus Christ, can meet your deepest needs. And it's wrapped up in that one verse, John 3:16. God so loved the world that he gave. That's what love does. Love gives. He gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He is the source of life. When you rely on God to meet your deepest needs, then he does. And you don't end up expecting or demanding life from things that he never intended to give life and meaning to you and purpose. So getting connected to God through Jesus Christ brings never-ending life. Staying connected to Jesus makes you flourish. 
when, when you get the water where it needs to go, the crops grow. Here's, here's a picture of some irrigation. I don't know how clear it is. I can't see through these lights that are on me, but, um, I think it, what it is is sort of in a desert area and they have to pipe the water in and there's, there's a pipe and there's these wheels and the water comes through the pipe and the wheels sort of spin out the water where it needs to go. And you can see the crops growing in that picture. When, when you get the water where it needs to go, then the crops begin to grow. Once you get connected to Jesus, staying connected to Jesus um, allows the right things to grow in you. And you begin to bear what he calls fruit in John 15, 7 and 8. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And that brings great glory to my Father. So Jesus says that these streams of living water, just like irrigation gets the the water where it needs to go, it's right in the core of your being. And if you'll stay connected, if you'll remain in me, if you'll stay connected to me as you live your life, I will grow fruit in you. Galatians 5.22, it's not in your outline, it won't be on the screen, but it lists the kinds of things that God grows in you if you stay connected to Christ, if you remain in him and his words. Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness. Gentleness is a great word. It's translated meekness sometimes. But the idea is, As you trust God and you rely on him to meet your needs and you handle situations asking him for his help, um, he grows this gentleness in you. Jesus, he uh, demonstrated it. And it's it's strength under control. Doesn't mean you're you're mealy or weak, but it's you're strong. But you use your strength in the circumstance you're dealing with the right way, in a way that helps. The situation and we don't always do that as you set out to follow Christ you, you blow it but over time God is going to help you grow that quality in you where more and more you're using your strength you're using the power that you have to bless people so gentleness faithfulness self-control these are things God grows in you as you stay connected to him and what God wants us to do is we walk with the Lord um, we come to worship like this, and we hear the message. We hear basically what Jesus said and uh, what scriptures say. And maybe we get up in the morning as you walk with the Lord. One of the most important things you can do is spend time every day with him, reading the Bible and praying. And the idea is not that you sort of check in with God at worship, and then you check in with God in the scripture and say, Okay, here's my day, God. Help me with this day. I'll, I'll catch you at lunch when I pray over the meal then. It's, it's more that you, to stay connected, you go to God, you get perspective from him, and then you ask for his help, his power, and his perspective all through the day as you're living it. And, and you're, you're remaining in him. As you do that, then he begins to grow fruit in your life. Now, here's some of the fruit that he develops. Answered prayer. 
is one of those things. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When I was young, I read that and I thought, yeah, I got to figure that out, man. If I, if I ask him for whatever I want, I get it. How do you get into that zone? I want to be there. But what he's saying, if you remain in me and my words, my teaching remains in, in, in you, and you, you're trying to live it out, you're getting more and more, you're soaking it in, it's becoming a part of your life, I begin to change your heart and your perspective. And you begin to want the things in life that I want. And then as you begin to pray, I take action to bring those things about. And you see me work in a way that you don't if you're disconnected. That's what he's saying. And it turns out that in your family life, at your work, with your friends, in in every area across the board of your life, what Jesus wants, what God wants, is the best. It's the most important thing that could happen. And so this process begins. He starts shaping you and changing you and bearing the fruit in your character and in your life that brings honor and glory to him. And that's the next thing that happens. This is another fruit. God is glorified. When you produce much fruit, it brings great glory to my Father. We were made to glorify God. And so when we do, for instance, when we're singing, better is one day in your courts, my heart, when we were singing that, my heart was resonating deeply because I was made to glorify God. When we sing these songs and we praise God, There's a sense in which, boy, we're drawn to it because he's made us to do this. And and when we bear fruit, when we stay connected to him and he grows this fruit in us, he he uh, he is glorified by that. We 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 give him the right weight of significance in our lives. That's what it means to glorify him. Uh, Third, we love him. We love like him. We love him and we love like him. I have loved you even as the father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. So we stay connected. We're connected to him, and our, his love shows up in the way that we relate to the other people around us. And then we have joy. I told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I don't know what you've heard about God, but he wants you to have joy. He wants you to enjoy your life. He wants to give streams of living water that flow within you. He wants to grow the fruit. He wants to get the water in you so that the right kind of fruit can grow in your life. We can't manufacture that stuff. We can try. I mean, I, I've, I've actually taken a bite out of a wax. I think it was a wax apple one time. didn't taste very good. Doesn't taste anything like a real apple. You know, we can't, and it's, we cannot manufacture the fruit of the Spirit, but it comes as we learn to depend on God and rely on Him in the moment as we're dealing with the conflict, as we're trying to answer the question, as we're trying to make the decision. God, would you help me figure this out? If we disconnect, we're manufacturing our own fruit that doesn't taste very good. If we stay connected, then we experience life the way that God intended. If, if you let 
Jesus grow the right things in you, then he does. He is the source of life. It, it flows from him, and it never dries up. And even when we disconnect and we blow it and we handle things in a way that don't bring honor to him, we can go back. We can go back to him. God, I've blown it again. And the grace and the forgiveness, we find out that he loves us. He accepts us just like we are. He wants us to grow. He wants us to change. But there's always love from God when we own up to the wrong we've done and turn to him. There's always life. It always flows from him. If you and I are trying to get life from other sources, then we need to turn to him and let him revive us. Let him bring us back to life. Let, let him give us the life that he offers. Here's some next steps. We're going to wrap up the message in a few moments. We're going to receive our offering. And I've listed some next steps that you could take. As I've been going through the message, the Lord may have brought some things to your mind. But here are some suggestions. Um, one of them may be to memorize John 15:5. I didn't mention it in the message, but it's, it's a really good verse to understand what we're talking about. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, he who remains in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, we can't grow the fruit if we're disconnected from him. It will, it will not grow. He will grow it in us as we... One, one man said, it, to follow Christ, it, it requires active passivity. We do stuff, but as we're doing it, we're relying on him to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. He shows us direction, gives us direction, he gives us things to do. But as we do it, we rely on him to, to bring the life to us. Another step would be to repent of going to other sources for life. Maybe, maybe you've been looking outside of the Lord Jesus Christ and God for life. And to repent means to turn around. That's a revolution, to turn around. Third, I will pray every day this week that God will produce much fruit in my life. Just that's going to be my prayer every day. God, would you produce the kind of fruit in my life that you want to? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. And then another step could be for the first time, I want to commit my life to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to turn around from going my own way and decide to follow him. I'm going to accept his grace and forgiveness. I'm going to accept what he's done for me on the cross in Jesus Christ. The fact that he sent his son so that if I'll just believe in him, I'll trust in him, I could have eternal life. I'm going to accept what he's done and, and commit my life to follow him. So there's some next steps that you could take. Let's ask for God's help as the band comes up in taking these. Father, we, we praise your holy name, and we thank you for your kindness and your goodness. And, and Lord, uh, we've seen these steps, and, I, 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 and we've seen your, your truth, and we've looked at these steps that we could take, and maybe you've laid some others on uh, others' hearts, but God... Help us to follow through. Help us to not disconnect now, but stay connected through the day and really try to live and apply your word to our heart and lives as, as we go through life. We ask for your help in this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.